Hi, this is Glenn Rawson. One of the most powerful ways to share history and heritage is by the telling of stories. We began sharing inspiring stories nearly 30 years ago. Each of those stories is true and was intended to inspire and strengthen faith. Over the years, those stories have reached millions around the world. This podcast is for you to listen, learn, and enjoy. this is? (laughs) My children didn't. This was the very first cell phone I ever owned. To this day, I still remember where I was the first time someone ever called me on this cell phone. I was at the Mountain View Middle School East parking lot on voting day in Blackfoot, Idaho, when I got that call. Somehow, I managed to answer that call. And I can still remember how stupid I felt talking to this black brick stuck to my head. I felt like everyone in the parking lot was judging me and laughing at the idiot who was talking to himself in his old pickup. (laughs) Well, a lot has changed since then. Similarly now, continuing, I remember when I graduated from this brick to a flip phone, still a dumb phone, but a step up nonetheless. I remember where I was with that phone when my oldest daughter first introduced me to texting. I was driving a big rig somewhere between Arco and Mackie, Idaho, on my way to Chalice as she walked me through texting. Now, texting proved to be a real struggle for me to learn. I just could not imagine typing out an entire message one letter at a time, one finger at a time. But I persevered until I got pretty good at it. Now, I can just put my finger on the keyboard and slide it all around and magically letters and words appear. It's awesome. And then, Then came the smartphone. Speaking of smartphone, the first phone I ever owned as an adult was a rotary dial desktop phone on a party line. Now, young people listening to what I just said have no idea what I just said. What's a rotary desktop phone and what's a party line? I remember that that phone would ring in my apartment when I wasn't home, and my cat, a big old tomcat, got so annoyed by that ringing phone, he would walk over and knock the phone off the hook and disabled the party line for all the neighbors in the Black Rock Valley until I would come home that night and find it going out of control on the floor. I thought it was so cool at that time that I owned my own phone and could talk to my family 30 miles away. That was pretty much the limit because in those days, we had what was called long distance. Now, I can talk to my family from the other side of the world anytime. I can push a button on this gizmo and ask Siri any random question I want, and she comes right back with the answer faster and more accurate and concise 
than any teacher I ever had in my educational years. Absolutely fascinating. And I have yet to master all that this widget will do. Now, we've become accustomed to changes in technology that happen so frequently we scarcely notice. Now, there are those among us who shun those changes. There are others, like President Nelson and others, who seem to embrace these innovations for the good that they can do in the Lord's work. Now the point. Don't get too comfortable in this world with the inventions and technologies that we now enjoy. We are promised, my friends, heavenly mansions and powers in the next world we can't even imagine. Line upon line, the Almighty is going to continue restoring and revealing understanding, technology, innovations, inventions, information, keys, authority, and blessings that we can't now even fathom. And all of that to hasten his work in preparation for his return. Moreover, we who now move mountains with bulldozers obviously have a lot to learn and master before we can move matter in the universe and create worlds of our own by the spoken word. Therefore, considering we have so far to go and so much to learn, shouldn't we be a little more willing to accept and master all that the Lord has revealed and will yet reveal in this great ongoing restoration, moving us toward eternity? Have you ever thought of this as part of the ongoing restoration? This next story I am indebted to, to my friend, Dean Nelson. He shared this with me a long time ago, and I think I mentioned it in passing in a fireside but recently it came back to my mind with great force. And I would like to share a story that Dean shared with me from his youth. He describes that as a young lad growing up in Farron, Utah, that it was his responsibility to feed and water the family's horses. On one very cold evening, Dean was home alone and went out to do his chores. He finished the feeding, and went over to fill up the water trough. He tells what happened next. Quote, As I reached down to turn it on, for some reason, the spigot came off and water immediately gushed forth like a drinking fountain, except in much larger proportions. I reached down and tried to reattach the spigot, he said, but all that happened was ice-cold water went spewing and spraying all over me. I tried several more times as hard as I could to reattach the spigot, but the more and the harder I tried, the more the water spewed and sprayed all over me, and the wetter and colder I became. I was soaked all over and chilled to the bone. What to do? I simply couldn't get the spigot back on where it rightly belonged. End of quote. Well, as you can well understand, Dean's biggest concern was that the corral was going to be turned into a pond and a mucky mess. 
But what could he do? Then, suddenly, it occurred to him to pray. He said, I stepped over by the haystack just a few feet away. Now, I'm guessing that the haystack gave me a little sense of security and privacy. As I knelt down, he continued and began to pray. I, basically, with much sincerity, told Heavenly Father that I had done all that I could possibly do and that I now needed his help. End quote. Dean finished his heartfelt child's prayer, walked over to the water supply pipe, grabbed the spigot, and attempted again to reattach it. He said, It went on so easily that you would have thought it had never come off in the first place. End quote. I've been thinking about that story. Dean, thank you. It is important that we do all that we can to help ourselves, all the while we are praying for the strength and wisdom, grace and help of the Almighty to accomplish it. There is a certain wisdom in what Dean wrote to me at the end of his letter. He said, it is a blessing that we can trust Heavenly Father to answer our prayers, how and when it is best for us, whether it is immediately or sometime later, end quote. And he is so right. I witness to you, God is listening, and he will help in his own time and place and way. Last story, and again, I don't want anyone to be offended, but you know, this story makes a point that needs to be told. The Savior was and is kind and filled with charity. Yet there were times when he could be daunting and very straight-spoken. For example, the Pharisees and the scribes sought Jesus out and happened to observe his disciples eating bread without first washing their hands. Well, that bothered them. They took occasion to criticize what they deemed sinful behavior. According to their traditions, if someone ate without first washing their food and or washing their hands, they were considered unclean before the Lord with the law of Moses. That's how they saw it. Jesus did not beg pardon, nor did he rationalize the behavior of the disciples. He came right back and said to them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. The master then went on to cite examples of how the Pharisees themselves were setting aside the word of the Lord in favor of the word of the rabbis and their traditions. In many instances, their strict adherence to customs and traditions brought them directly into conflict with the commandments of God. And all too often, Jesus pointed out, it was God that lost. Then, calling to the multitudes watching this exchange, Jesus announced thus, quote, Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, 
but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man, Matthew 15. In other words, it's not what we eat that makes us filthy and sinful before God. It's what we say, what we think, and what we do. From there, Jesus turned and went into the house. As he did so, his disciples came to him and said, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? End of quote. Oh dear, the Savior hurt someone's feelings. What will he do now? And this is what the Master said. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. End of quote. I love that. Jesus was not about to apologize for wounding their pride and hurting their feelings. They deserved it. They needed it. Moreover, he did not want his disciples blindly being deceived and following the Pharisees to hell. So he would let the Pharisees be offended in their injustice. Now, some have struggled with this story. But please remember, Jesus was and is just and merciful. To be merciful means to be kind, forgiving, compassionate, treating others better than they deserve. But in the balance, Jesus was also perfectly just. He did only those things that pleased God and God first. If we would be true disciples. Mercy cannot rob justice, nor can kindness and compassion rob courage. Thank you for listening. Many of the stories you heard today have been published and are archived at glenrossonstories.com. If you would like more information, you can communicate with us there. We will be back again with another podcast next week.